Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome back to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex. This is part two of my stomp with Sam Warburton and Pat Kavanaugh. Pat Kavanaugh, I nearly had it there. <laughs> Make sure you listen to part one before continuing with this episode. Sam, as I said earlier, and I think probably people have got the idea of this now, I'm, I'm really a big fan of rugby and I, I love the sport. So much of my passion, I think, for rugby as a spectator is because it's a team sport. You really feel part of something. It's that feeling of like togetherness, lads, let's get through this, come on, let's fight, let's try and win. How much did that help you, I guess, you know, in, in, in some of the more difficult parts of, you know, your career and, you know, when you're facing situations where you're losing, where England are beating us. <laughs> yeah. uh, did, did that kind of togetherness help you get through and go, come on, lads, let's push, we can do this? Massively. I, I think... And as humans, you know, that's why we like social interaction. We're meant to be together. I remember when I was a kid, say you do athletics or something, and I lose a race, someone beats me at high jump or javelin. I found it really difficult because one-on-one, they beat me. They were better than me. And I found that really hard to accept. So I love playing a team sport because, yeah, not because you could blame someone when you lose, but it was lovely to share the wins as well. And when you go through something together, like, and you go through adversity with people, it brings you so much stronger, brings you together and... There's friends who I've made through the rugby circles and there's things that we've done that there's training camps or games or wins that we've experienced together. When you see each other, you just know like you've gone through that and it's, it's really experience. nice. Yeah, just sharing those experiences are so invaluable. And I loved being part of a team sport. Absolutely loved it because when you sort of like you know, you lose a lot, you know, no one wins all the time. You try and win, but you can't. Um when you go through those negatives and you lose it's great to have the boys around you to, like I've mentioned before, give you that perspective yeah. and, you know, a different outlook on, on the result. So mention a little bit getting through the difficult times there. I want to hear the, the Sam highlight of your, you know, what is, the, what is the highlight of your career? Which moment do you look back and go, gosh, that was it for me? You know, it's probably away from the cameras, um, which is very common when, you, when I speak to athletes. When I retired, they did a documentary on me, BBC. When, when we went to like the sort of, the, I say the premiere, just like me and my family turned up to watch the first uh, showing of yeah. it before it sort of went out. They interview you, folks, um, my wife, my brother, sister, for hours and hours, but they obviously condensed like a hundred hours of footage down to... An hour. Obviously an hour. Yeah. So my dad answered, it was his voice on the voiceover at the start. It was like a dramatic start with a drone view over my last game that I ever played. And um, he just said... And I'll say the story, and I didn't know he remembered it, but when I was young, he came home from work, he was a fireman and a firefighter, and he said, oh, Sam, can you just fill out this piece of paper? One of, one of my colleagues in work, his son's doing some homework. So I looked at this piece of paper, and it said, um, it's a little questionnaire. So it went, name, age, sport, position, and ambition. So I just wrote down, name, Sam Warburton, age, 14, position, I played open side flanker, sport, rugby union, and it said, ambition. I'm not saying I achieved this, but just saying the story as it is 
And on ambition, I wrote down British and Irish Lions rugby legends and I gave it back to my dad. <laughs> but I thought nothing of it. And um, then my dad said, what, what, what are you doing? I was like, well, that's what I want to be. I, I just want to be one of a, a thousand people or 800, whoever's, however many has played. I want to be like one of the best guys. And I like, don't get me wrong, I, I had a good friendship group, but I remember like in school, I get a little bit of the mickey taken out of me because I was so obsessed, like about making it and playing for the Lions. And like every lunchtime, I used to go in the gym and train in school. I used to run late at night to get fit. My jam sandwiches and my packed lunch, I swapped for tins of tuna because I knew it was more protein. And Chris was swapped for apples and bananas. I was a bit obsessed about making it. So like I did, I made all these small life choices and changes. So I was living like a pro from a young age. And I say, fast forward say 10 years. And then um, for those who don't know, the Lions is when every four years, they pick the best players from Wales, England, Scotland and Ireland, and you tour one of the best countries in the world. So New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. And I was fortunate to be captain on this tour. Um, and they pick the team for, they have a test series, best of three at the end. You have warm-up games and everybody wants to be the test team. You want to be a test lion because you are the best, you know, of, the the, of those the four nations. You are the best of the best. That's, what, that's, their, that's their strap line. So they did the jersey presentation the night before the game. Now, this only happens on big games. You normally just have, you turn up to the changing room from 1 to 23. The shirts are placed beautifully from the kit man. Change rooms are looking lovely. And that's when you see your shirt, your test shirt. But they did a jersey presentation the night before. And they brought in a Lions legend uh, as a surprise to, to give it to us. I got my shirt and the kit man came up to it at the end of the presentation. Very subdued, a lot of anxiety, nervous energy, excitement. Boys were all quiet, kind of embracing each other before going for some dinner the night before the game. And uh, he said, do you want this shirt now? Or do you want me to have them off the boys and I'll put them up in the changing room? And... I guess what people didn't know is like I had, I was given a shirt after that questionnaire filled out with my dad when I was 14, a number red uh, line shirt with a number seven on the back of my number and I wore it everywhere, like non-school uniform days, training. Then I put it away when I was young and my dad's like, where's that shirt gone? Because I love that shirt and it cost me a bit of money. It was your main Christmas present. I was like, now the next one I got away has got to be the real thing. And I put it away and I swore that to myself and I wouldn't wear another line shirt until I got a test shirt. Wow. So I said to the kit man, I went, no way, mate, this is mine. I'm taking it back to my room and I'm going to take it to the game tomorrow. I went back into my hotel room and uh, I went to, a, I laid it on my bed with a red shirt, number seven, facing up. And I spread it out, all the creases. I just stared at it and I went to leave the bedroom to get my dinner. Then I went back and I, and I stared at it again because I couldn't believe I finally had a real test number seven British and Irish Lions shirt. And that for me was like that moment of realisation that 10 years of hard work, sacrifice, resilience, commitment, got to the, I achieved my dream. And so it was, it was a moment which is well away from the cameras, you know, not in front of 80,000. It wasn't a try or a tackle or anything like that. It was just that moment of satisfaction that I proved to myself hard work and resilience works. That point, and I'm glad you brought up resilience. I think resilience is an interesting word. I think in the past it's that kind of like, you know, you bullets bouncing off you, you can mm. take anything, shrug everything off your shoulder, you never be brought down, whatever. But I don't know what you think, and I'd be interested in your perspective, but I think resilience is like recognising pressure, realising yeah. you're absorbing pressure, bringing people in to kind of support you, but also having that kind of determination, going, do you know what, I'll be knocked down, but I'm going to get back up, I'm going to go again, I'm not going to give up. That's important, isn't it? I love the point you made about bringing people in. So when I was captain, that's probably one of the biggest lessons I learned. I was 22 when I was picked as captain for Wales, so... Guys were 35 there, 
80 caps 22. more than me. Oh. 22. Like you're, you're just figuring your way in life, you know, and that's going to be a cap. I remember you in those team. early days. Oh, well, well, <laughs> that's <I said>. amazing, <laughs> honestly. I do remember you being so young. I was like, wow, he's got, he's got yeah. captain. And, but you, you, you just stepped into that role. So, so wow. Like, is that because you have the right people around you? Is that what helped? So at the time, I remember thinking, yeah, I, I tried to do it by myself maybe in the early days. Then you realise it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength as a leader to actually... Because some people get given a captaincy and they think, right, this gives me the automatic right. I know everything. You've got to listen to what I say. But I realised quickly, I don't know everything. And you need to get other leaders in. So when you get a lot of credit as a captain, I'm like, oh, no, no. There's, there's a whole leadership group behind this captaincy figure who contribute to the working week as much as I do, if not more. So... It looks like a sign of weakness, but it's not. Seeking help and getting people who are better at doing certain roles than yourself is actually, I think, a sign of maturity as a leader, getting other people to help you. So once I did that and we had a leadership group and you, know, you, get, you delegate responsibilities and get other guys to do things, it just helps the role and it, and it helps the productivity of the team. So like you say, actually seeking for help is actually a wise thing to do. And at the time I thought, well, maybe this is me showing some weakness, I realise actually the best thing you can do is build your sub-team of leaders around yeah. you as well. It's the, by, by far my best bit of advice for any young captains out there. Don't try and do it by yourself because you can't. But I just wonder, and you mentioned actually when we, when we first met, you know, rugby is seen as an alpha sport. It is a lot about, you know, I remember playing school rugby and stuff, it's about, oh, I'm the strongest, I'm, I'm yeah. the best. Is it sometimes hard to kind of go, well, do you know what? This is a weakness of mine. Maybe you are better than this in that environment. I'll tell you who really helped me again. I, I talk about him a lot, and a lot of people say, who's this Andy McCann you talk about? But he was so instrumental in my career. So when I was picked as a captain, and he said, what you need to do, you, have, you need to develop your own leadership campus. This was on my phone. Um, I had it on a piece of paper. I had it on my iPad. He said, right, you tell me what are the four things that you want to demonstrate daily as a captain and as a leader, and this will be the pillar of your leadership. And so I said, right, okay. And it, by coincidence, they're P's. They're all P's. I call them my four P's. So number one was um, positive. Not naively, but I am a very positive guy. Um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but I say if we play New Zealand, people go, can you believe you, can you actually beat New Zealand? I'm thinking... Well, of course we can. Are they better what are we than doing us? Here yeah, I'm like, are they better than us? Yes. There's nothing wrong in admitting. Admit, we haven't won a World Cup, multiple World Cups. Are they better than us? Yes. But can we beat them? Absolutely. It's yeah. sport. So I always aspire to, to be positive and aim for the top. Number one. Number two would be professionalism. I always wanted to be the best pro. Like turn up on time, right kit, and it might even be things like doing your due diligence on analysis on the opposition, doing all my prehab, getting my treatments in getting every bit of training in, staying behind, doing extra skill work. The way I portray myself in the press, because you've got to be a good role model, you know, when you're in a captaincy role, that was number two. The third one, which I found the most difficult, was probably, I, caught, I put it under the bracket, people. Um, people won't believe it, I'm naturally very unsociable. I think it's the Myers-Briggs test, personality test, there's like 16 boxes. I think like one top corner is extreme extrovert, one corner is yep. extreme introvert. I come out extreme introvert. Really? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm very. I'm also very far down that corner. Yeah, that's interesting. Because people wouldn't expect that as a captain. No, I, I, I like my own company, but I knew I had to develop relationships with everyone in the team: coaches, players, younger players, senior players, because I need to be approachable for everyone. And it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, be everyone's best friend. But say you're having food, sitting on a table I might not normally sit at. You don't have to host the conversation, but you just eavesdrop and just get to know someone a little bit better. Just making a conscious effort that. I got to know the team. So if there was a problem or they were experiencing something or something positive that that matter, they could speak to me. I could be approachable. So people was the one I had to work on most being very sort of introverted. 
And then the most important one, which sounds the wrong word to use in a professional sport, but it was performance. And you still have to be selfish in your own preparation because if you're not going to do your role to the best of its ability, that's ultimately how you lead. You know, and when I was chatting again to to someone, Andy McCann, he said he questioned a big room of, it was like MDs and CEOs, and he said, if it wasn't for your job title, would people still follow you? Now, he wouldn't say and they weren't, but what that means is, if people didn't know who you were, strip yourself of all your titles and what your achievements, and they just saw you each day for who you were, would, would, you they, follow? would they follow you? So, and, that, and that comes with performance, the way I prepared, the way I, I was in training. You're being watched. When you're a captain, you're in, you're in a leadership role, not just in sport, in business, anywhere. People watch you when, they, when you don't realise because they just want to see how you conduct yourself. So making sure you prioritise your performance, you're still selfish and making sure you do your role to the best that you possibly can, that would probably be the number one important thing. And that was my leadership compass. Positive, people, professional and performance. And I thought if I can stick to those four things, I'll be a good captain. I think the, the point is, I guess, is that sport in many ways replicates real life, doesn't yeah, it? You've got highs, time. you've got lows, you've got yeah. losses, you've got injuries, you've got yeah. fallouts with people, yeah. you know, and you've got to navigate teams, you've got to navigate personalities, you've got to learn to lose and lose well. Yeah. So I think what, and it's interesting, isn't it? When, when you look at what defines not just sports, but people, it's not necessarily how they do when they win or they achieve in life, but how are they when they fail? Yeah. And how do they behave? How do they conduct themselves? And if we can train, you know, say train is the wrong word probably, but if we can teach yeah. young people growing up those life skills, if I, if I lose, hold the mirror up. I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but what went wrong? Yeah. What can I improve? And let's do it in the right way. It's a huge life skill. Spot on. And like, say my daughter, I've got a six-year-old daughter. I've got a two-year-old boy, so obviously he hasn't got to this stage yet. But if she loses at something or she doesn't win, I go, it's okay, Anna. We tr you can try and win everything. That's great. But you, you don't win everything. And when I do like a go into a school and I, they say, how many games did you win? I said, oh, I played 200 pro games, probably lost 90. People go, what? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's normal. <laughs> you know, like people think you win all the time, like lose all the time. So I think when people realize that you lose that, like you say, as long as you approach it the right way, right, what did I do wrong? How can I get better? That's what I was like, you know, when I was a, a teenager, I'd be like, right, this sounds really, you know, but I was very meticulous. I was like, right, how much protein do I need to eat to, to optimize muscle growth? How often do I have to train to get fit and to get strong and do running and do all these different types of training? Even in my schoolwork, I turned down the chance to play for Wales Sevens um, professionally in Twickenham for the World Seven Series. It was a month before my A-levels. Yeah. And I thought, no, I need wow. to get my A-levels. Discipline. I was a professional because that discipline can transfer into all aspects of life. So I don't know why I'm like that. My parents say the same, but I never forget a conversation with my dad. He was a good footballer, didn't play at any level, but everyone I speak to says, your dad was a brilliant footballer. And I remember saying to my dad, like, because he had trials for some good clubs. and Tottenham? Uh, unfortunately not Tottenham, but I wish. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I said, why didn't you take on football, dad? And he just said, well, I didn't work hard enough and I was a bit lazy and I didn't want to. But I kind of remember thinking, I remember hearing this, I must have been like and less than 10. I remember thinking, like, I knew then, if you don't work hard, you're not going to do it. And I just thought, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to do it. And I just, I don't know whether it's conversations like that, but all these little things, he probably did it completely the best I could ever ask for. So supportive, my mum and dad, they never would achieve what I could without them. But I remember that thinking, and I remember he's like, don't be, don't be like me, don't, don't be lazy, you know? And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm going to remember that. And I do, I can't emphasise enough how, my granddad would always say it, he's passed now, but he always used to say, and I thought it whether it was by revision in school or whether the way I approached rugby, he said, you get out of life what you put in. Yeah. And he said, it's not until you're 85 years old. And I always think this is advice. It's not until you're 85 years old and we come into the, towards the end, you think, if I was given the gift of another 50, 60 years, what would I do differently? You know, and I try and think that, try not to waste 
an opportunity or a moment because it felt like yesterday when I'm telling these stories you never know. that was 30 odd years ago 25 years ago I'm 33 now like my, my, my professional rugby career has come and gone time flies so don't waste time you know really sort of if you want to do something set your, set your sights on it and, and make your way towards it you know because you're only here once you know so yeah make the most of life I'd like to talk to you about something that you said a while ago and I know it was seen in some ways as controversial but I think you explained it very very well that actually didn't enjoy 80% of your career. <laughs> Let's we talk about actually you've got to fly. I'm not going to whack it off your chin, I felt Sam, because I yeah. feel like you're going to, uh, you might, you might chin Excuse me to get something. a shot on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, a chance to, to throw a punch at uh, Sam Warburton. Yeah, I think that will end well. But what do you, what did you mean by that? Because it, it, it's a fascinating, because people go, oh gosh, you, you didn't enjoy it, but, but you've achieved so much. You're so focused. If you yeah. can enjoy it, how did you do it? Yeah. I, I, so like playing rugby, playing for Wales, say, you might play 10 to 12 times a year um, on the national stadium, two hours a game, 10 games, 20 hours, 24 hours a year. It's not even 0.3% of a year, yeah. you know, you, you playing for Wales. It's an absolute fraction of time. But it's 99.9% .9 of what people see of you, you know, so they think that's your life. And I remember I was walking the dog after a Wales game, we lost to England, and then um, would have been like a, a Wednesday midweek after, you know, the week after we lost. And my wife would go, well, how long are you going to be? Just so I know. I'm like, I could be 45 minutes. I could be an hour and a half. It depends how many people have stopped me for like a post-match <laughs> debrief. Because obviously stuff. everyone's asking yeah. about the game. They're like, oh, look, look at Sam. I, yeah, yeah. But I'm just trying to escape it. But I was walking past this one house and then they have having building work done. And uh, I heard this builder shout, oh, you're living the dream. And uh, they mean it as a compliment. I'm sure they yeah, do. Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking, you've got no idea what yeah, I've gone yeah. through. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm always polite. I'm always polite. But in my head, I'm thinking, oh, I've got a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're very polite. They make but it sound natural, easy. But it's natural to They make it sound easy. And I'm like thinking in my head, oh, I've got a scheduled shoulder up in two months' time. I've got current nerve damage up my neck and shoulders. So I'm taking cocodamols just to go for a walk, just painkillers. I was given a four out of 10 in the press. Um, people think I should be dropped as captain. My knees are sore as I'm walking my dog and I've got to go through, all it, through it all over again on Saturday. I'm like, I ain't living the dream. <laughs> like people are criticizing me. I'm like, but then I, need to, I remember I was like, oh yeah, mate, yeah, you know. He's like, what happened on the weekend then? And I was like, oh, here we go. So I'm like, oh yeah, no, we lost and yeah, hopefully win next week, you know. He said, what about the line out? It didn't function. I thought, oh, he wants a full post-fast debrief. So I went, do this. So I sort of, he went, well, we, he said, at my club, we had this player, he was six foot seven, we used to put him up at the front, he was bankable. I was like, this guy's telling me how to do a line out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got no, he's you know. He's teaching the captain. I know, so I went, <laughs> um, I remember I said to him, it was, just, it was all in good nature. I said to him, I said, oh, how deep are those footings on that extension you're doing? And he told me an answer. I said, oh, may I... I go another few foot deeper than that, and I'd only breeze block up to foundation level, then I do a timber frame, yeah. and I go slate roof because it's much more in keeping with the property. He went, Who are you to tell me how to do an extension? Yeah, I said, Who are you to tell me how to do a line out? Yeah, and then yeah, he said, exactly. All right, point taken. But yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the pressures of playing and the daily what you go through. And like, I remember going on a plane to Dublin to play a game, and uh, I was looking out through the window, and there was a guy with like the paddle boards who like, directs the plane on the runway. I remember looking at him thinking, Flipping heck, I love his job. Like, <laughs> I give up the money, I give up the cars, the house, just to have a normal job where I can go under the radar. Yeah. People aren't scrutinising me. You know, maybe turn up my parents' house, slagging me off on social media. You know, all, all injuries, time away from family, from away trips. You know, you're away, could be two, three months a year. 
I just, I just want to be normal and be at home and just have a normal life. And so when I said like I didn't enjoy it my career, it's because it's the time away from family. It's the criticism. It's the injury. You know, all these things take it takes a big mental toll, yeah. um, big time. So I was almost like playing games on mid twenties, thinking, oh, when can I escape this? Yeah. Like this is too difficult. But when you win a Six Nations Championship oh. or, or a big game with a club, it all go. It all becomes worth it. <laughs> it, it outweighs it, yeah. and it's worth, and it's t- it outweighs it tenfold. So that's yeah. why you do it. So whenever times are tough, you just got to remind yourself of the why? carrot, the why. Why am why I am doing I, this? Yeah, and, and I think that's important. It's like it's like I, I God, I'm about to make a comparison. I think it's a stupid thing to say. No, go winning. On, go on. But I, I mean, to me, it was big. It was you know slogging away at med school thinking what yeah, the time. hell am I doing this is this is unbelievable my mates are out on a Saturday night and I'm in here revising till 11 o'clock and you think you know I actually think you know what 90% of my med school not even 80% was hell yeah, like, oh, it was God, hell yeah. and I hated it I but then it was worth it for that feeling on that day of graduating and then going to see the patient or getting a diagnosis right it's worth that feeling and I feel awful making a comparison no, mate, between that because right, but it, 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 I think right. it's important to say because people think that success is easier and it oh, isn't no is not if you're the best at anything even if you're damn good at anything it's been hard you failed you've had knockbacks people criticize you uh, and to deal with criticism in the public space which it is you know rugby players 60 70 years ago it just yeah there's criticism it's not the same you're not going oh, on twitter no. seeing your name there no. uh, you kick a ball and by the time the ball has, has gone into the touch if someone's commented on twitter <laughs> oh i used to get so much abuse on and twitter. it's and, and it's an unbelievable space so as someone that is so and i gather that you are clearly a perfectionist i think that's fair to say <laughs> ultra perfectionist right and you're clearly self-critical although you know in terms of like what you want to get the best out of yourself how do you deal with it when everyone else is doing the same and you're criticizing yourself they're criticizing you how do you keep saying and all that? Do you know what? There was a moment which I realised this. Um, because you do, like, you, you go on your Twitter feed and it'll be, you know, at Sam Warburton, you are, and it's something, it's drivel, you know? And when that, when that happens, like, it, it is disheartening. Like, you know, we're all human. It's nice to be told nice things. But I remember I was watching a football game and um, was, Man United were playing Tottenham Hotspur and Wayne Rooney was playing for Man United. And um, my, my twin brother, we're both big football fans, Wayne Rooney did something... And he went, oh, Wayne Rooney's rubbish. And I, I looked at him. I was like going through all yeah, this myself, yeah, yeah, but yeah. obviously not as much as Wayne Rooney. Those boys are another level. But I remember like listening to that, and I looked at him. I burst out laughing. He's like, what? I'm like, he's obviously not rubbish, is yeah, he? He's yeah, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's one of the all-time great England players. He went, oh yeah, yeah, you know. But that that's Twitter. Yeah. Like, people in a moment, and sport can be a very emotive thing. People might see something you've done or a mistake you've made, and they they go out and they tweet you. In the heat of the moment, it's not, it's come from a completely inadequate source. They're not qualified to tell you what you're doing. Because you cannot personify the tweet and who said it, you suddenly think, and they're ill qualified. And if they said uh, uh, something which you're quite, um, what's the word, just you're quite insecure about, and by coincidence they say something you're insecure about, you think, oh, maybe everyone else is thinking that. And And they're right, but they're not. (laughs) But but if you saw the person who walked past you in the street. Oh, they asked for your selfie, Sam. And they went, (laughs) can I have a selfie, mate? (laughs) I'm a big fan of yours. It's amazing the weekend. But but the thing is, if they walked past you in the street and they said it, I'd say, I'd laugh. What do you know about rugby? You know, but but that's that, that social media, that's where it's bad. So I didn't deal with it well for the first few years. Nobody does. They're lying. You try and stay away from it. But after that moment, I remember realizing. That's the sort of people who are criticised. Oh, oh, I love my brother, right? But he's not qualified to say whether Wayne Rooney's good or not. You know, so but that's what I realised. That social media gives everyone that 
sort of freedom voice. of speech they can say that and that voice so that's when i realized ah you take it with a pinch of salt and now it is literally water off a duck's back well it's learning part of it is learning that you don't need to take criticism or advice from everyone i always think there's a good way of looking at it that you know would you go to that person for advice if you wouldn't why are you taking and accepting criticism from them Mate, and my my, his, my agent sent me and this is a very common i'm sure a lot of people have seen this uh, caption but i was i was talking to my agent about this i was like oh god so and so this and this and he just sent me a picture and it was and it, it kind of coincidental because the lions is the pinnacle of you know my career or what a british and irish player could do but he sent me a picture of a lion and a picture of a sheep and you probably heard this before but he said a lion doesn't worry about the opinion of sheep. Now, that sounds really disrespectful, but what he meant was, if they're not at your level, yeah. what, it does not make a blind bit of difference what, they, what they're saying. I listen to my players, my colleagues, and my coaches, of course, but outside of that, they're not qualified to comment on me. And I, and I thought, yeah, no, he's, he's spot, on. spot on. If I was telling you what to do as a doctor, you, yeah. you could... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Going from, you know, a lion's, a Welsh legend, to, and having to you know, retire and, you know, with injury and a lot of these things that were going on. How was that transition going from Sam as the captain to Sam, you know, the afterlife, if you like? Yeah, it was... When I was thinking about finishing, I said to my agent, I'm, I'm going to finish, you know, and he's like, well, OK. I had a bit of a panic, so I was like, but I've got nothing in place. Nothing. I was always smart and sensible with, you know, my earnings yeah. through rugby. But it wasn't going to last me forever. He's like, don't worry about it. When people know you're going to retire, they'll, you know, things will happen. I was like, yeah, but right now, I've, I haven't got a single contract or money in place for beyond two months' time. I've got savings, but that's it. But then, like, I always remember thinking, like, I don't want to rush into anything. I want to make sure that I do something which I'm passionate about. As soon as people knew I was finishing, I had a lot of um, people from the TV, which I always enjoyed broadcasting. I, I, and I was still in good rugby and talking about it. Thanks. And so I knew I had the broadcasting, but that's only, like, part-time work. You know, it's not full-time work. And then I've fallen into now it's the fitness and health aspect and helping as many people as I could. And so that takes up half my time. It's just an online fitness app application in a nutshell. And it's like training like an athlete, you know, and because it's, it's so beneficial to do that. But I love doing that, you know, because I saw a good quote from Steve Jobs. It's like, make sure you're doing something you're passionate about because then you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. And oh, when you're doing something you enjoy... Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. So that's why I say to people, do something you enjoy and you're passionate about because, you know, I wouldn't have made it in, in, not that I'm saying I could have, but I made it in rugby because there was a load of tough times on the way to the top. But because I loved it and I was so passionate about it, it made it easier to carry on. Similarly with my ventures now, I'm doing things that I'm passionate about because when there is a sticky time and there's a purple patch, the passion will pull you through, yeah. you know? Every and if time. you're doing something you don't like, you're going to give up, you know? So... Choose something that you really like, that you're passionate about, because you're going to give naturally so much more energy to it. So fortunately for me, you know, I figured out what those things were. Really like broadcasting, really like the fitness game. Talk to me about the, your, the fitness work that you're doing, because you're trying to inspire people and help people using technology, which is very different to what I imagine when yeah, you started yeah. uh, you know, training and going into kind of the rugby world yourself. Why is that important to you? and what, Why is that your focus now? Well, like, a lot of people say, oh, how do I get this? How do I get strong? How do I get fit? How do I get fast? How do I eat well? How do I lose weight? And I'm like, oh, God, I can't answer that in, in 10 seconds. But what we've done is um, it's like an online app. Um, and we just called it SW7 Academy because that's yeah. my position, SW7, yeah. you know. And um, it's like we've had people, when I started up, we were chatting about it, people were going, oh, this is premium product. You know, you need to go high-end 
high ticket price. And I was like, no, but that defeats the object. I want to help as many people as I can. So we've got a quite a, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling it, but we've got no, a, a very affordable no. price point because I want everyone to be able to access what it's like and how quick they can make, you know, their, their, their diet can change. They can improve their body composition and their health and how they'll be surprised at how quick and strong they can be. And it's actually a lot more basic than people think. You know, you know what Instagram's like. It's full of people who are doing all these crazy sexy exercises or not just in the fitness world, in other, in other worlds. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. Actually, the fundamentals of what needs to be done are very basic, but it's just the consistency on delivering those basics is what gets you to excellence. So there's no overnight success. You know, there's, people love this overnight success story. There's no such thing as the overnight success. The, for me, playing for the Lions, I was 24. It was a 10-year journey, you know? So, but that's why it took me so long to get to those places. But I love to be able to give that to people at a very affordable price. And they can get and achieve their athletic potential, mental well-being, physical well-being, for me, and get for me to be as quick as they possibly can. But I'm passionate about that because I know the benefits of, of, of physical fitness on mental well-being and obviously physical well-being. So that's a genuine passion for me. So like, I, I began my hair cut and... My hairdresser was telling me like, oh, I'm on this calorie deficit. I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, right, okay, this is what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I love, love helping. You love I, I love helping. You know, and I was like, well, you need to do this, 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 this. Oh, great, great. So that's why I like it. I, I have a genuine thirst and passion for health and fitness, which I'm lucky that that's obviously a big advantage in being a professional sportsman. But maybe that's why I made it, because I'm just genuinely passionate about that stuff. Love so it. I love doing it. If anyone listening to the episode now thinks, oh, gosh, I've not really ventured into fitness before, you know, I, something maybe you're in twenties, thirties, forties, or even later. And they, gosh, I don't know if it's for me. Am I the right type of person to do it? What would you say to someone that's maybe a bit nervous? Because yeah. you know, people are nervous even to go to the gym. I, yeah. I actually, when I had a break from the gym for a year and a half or so because of the pandemic, I was genuinely really felt <laughs> scared going into the gym. But I think what people don't realise is, if I saw uh, somebody who was very overweight in the gym, I actually saw it yesterday. I went last night to the gym and I saw a guy quite, quite overweight and he was on this sled pushing it up and down. Now, he's probably thinking, oh, I bet people are looking at me thinking, what on earth am I doing here? What's he doing? I actually look, was looking at him thinking, fair play, mate, I admire that. Legend. I, I love, he's taken, a, he's taken a choice to change his life. I think that's brilliant. And if he asked me for help, I'd, I'd flip and help him. Um, so I think people realise you, you're all there for the same common goal. Um, and fitness doesn't mean... It's not like, right, you need to enter a military boot camp. I'm going to be there with a stick. I'm going to bark you for one hour until you are sweating and throwing up. That's not, you know, that's not it, right? You've got to, if you just, if I said to someone, right, make a conscious effort to eat a bit more protein in your diet, have fruit and vegetables at every meal, drink plenty of water and go for a walk each day and get seven to eight hours sleep. That's a fantastic start. That's a great start of living a healthier life. You don't have to jump in at the deep end and if you do you'll crash anyway you need to build yourself up incrementally but you will build your confidence you'll see your body changing and improving and not just from an aesthetic point of view for your heart like i said to my wife like trying to encourage her to do a bit more not because i want to lose weight because i want her to be strong yeah. in her heart you know i want to yeah keep her healthy. fit and healthy so start small that would be my advice and do importantly something you enjoy doing because i don't do certain people say well you don't do this i'm like yeah because i don't enjoy it so I'm going to give it up. Pick something you enjoy. Pick a, there's no, oh, running's the one, or weights is the one, or swimming's the one. They're all beneficial. Do the one you enjoy the most because you're likely to be consistent yeah. with that behavior. And really, they're only beneficial if you stick to it. 
So yeah, exactly. you know, it doesn't mean being disciplined all the time, but we all need weeks off or whatever, but it's doing something you enjoy. And on the point of discipline, actually, and I, I have a certain thought process around this, but from an expert in terms of sports, what is more important, to be motivated or to be disciplined? <sighs> Motivation gets you started. Um, discipline keeps you going. I think that's pretty it's, Yeah, it's motivation, you know, like I'll be honest, right? I don't have a full six, eight pack, no chance. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching Love Island, right? I, I know this is, I know you are, I'm not saying, <laughs> no, 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 but no. say my wife's watching it at the minute. I don't either, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> and my wife will go, God, flipping eight. I'm going to go, yeah, no, he's in good nick. She'll go, why do you look like that then? I'm like, well, I'd rather a pack of cookies more than I want abs. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not willing to sacrifice yeah, that yeah, much yeah. To, to look like that, you know? So, so my point being is, for that evening, I might have the motivation, I'm going to get abs. Yeah. I've got the motivation, yeah. and I'll eat a good couple of meals, but do I have the discipline to keep going? No, I don't. Because I don't, so, but then, really, that's not, is that important no. to have an abs? No, no, Of no, course no. it's not important. It's not. You know, it's much more important to be healthy and, and be happy in your own skin. Now, before we wrap up part two, and we, we go on to part three, what would be your, for anyone that's maybe transitioning from one career to the next, someone that's retiring or someone that's kind of having a complete left turn, what would be your you know, biggest piece of advice for them, for anyone that's nervous about that change? Yeah, pick something you're passionate about. I, I definitely think it's got to be something that you're passionate about because, like we've talked about, there's going to be challenges in anything that you do, anything. If you're genuinely passionate about it, I think you're so much more likely to keep going. So rather than try and chase something or jump into something too quick, Take a breath, take a step back, let something naturally, an idea or something will naturally gravitate towards you. And once that fire is lit, then you run with it, you know? So pick something that you're passionate about. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this episode of Sam Walton. If you're not finished stomping yet, make sure to go back and listen to the final part now or come back to catch up on tomorrow's stomp. See you soon. 